United five points clear and in fact before City play again we could well be eight points clear well yeah there's a game to win against a team fighting for their lives etc before that so it's not in the bag yet uh, despite what the bookies might be saying why why are they paying out on a United win already Ed well this is this is Betfred who likes Fred Doan who likes to pay out and, and uh, it's a good piece of publicity for him he, he did it before didn't he in uh, 2003 when he paid out on United and won the title and they're 12 points clear only for Arsenal to come storming back and win the title so it cost him something like half a million pounds at that time but but good publicity all around because uh, the amount of press coverage he got as a result he's obviously a gambling man and he's basically betting the price of how much it's going to cost him to pay out against the price of all this free publicity that we're giving him on the rank cast very true and there's no publicity more valuable than the rank cast advertisers out there if you're listening this is the most valuable real estate in all of podcasting at, at least friday manchester united related podcasting yeah based in the uk <laughs> yeah absolutely that is with a niche audience yeah exactly i mean and who isn't trying to target a niche audience everyone apparently is not trying to target a niche audience anyway blackburn game i mean we went to that under that brilliant bit of pressure the, the good kind of pressure because city dropped points and you know that it the, the manner of their result meant that a point was quite good for them given that they were 3-1 down and scored a couple of goals in a couple of minutes but the fact that they couldn't convert that into a win was enormous and it really five points or six points the gap not that important what's really important is they finally dropped some points at home and looked like they were falling apart at the seams while doing it and fighting amongst themselves yeah the fallout from the balotelli Kolarov dispute has been ongoing hasn't it i mean it seems that uh, city are prepared to sell him now more serious than that though is that it seems that abu dhabi has lost faith in mancini or at least uh, putting pressure on him utterly bizarre this so the times the telegraph and the indie all carried the same story about abu dhabi giving mancini till the end of the season to sort out his squad it, that it's not just about winning the title but showing that he can lead and there's a new contract in, in it for him if he can blah 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 almost word for word these pieces were and of course you only get that when someone's been briefed and and uh, talk about terrible timing that his employers have decided now during the running when he's already under massive pressure and showing it to their pile on a bit more pressure it's it's absolutely hilarious i mean alex ferguson's office must have been rocking with laughter at that and, and perfect perfect for united and and of course that the, the pressure that's been building up on city through their poor results and united's excellent run of wins culminated in that that game that city drew three all with sunderland and then united managed to ram it home and, and we haven't always done that have we so it's, uh, it's it was important i think to take advantage of that uh, eventually 80 odd minutes in yeah the performance was an interesting one i mean i, I certainly wasn't in despair before 80 minutes we we definitely put some nice moves together and frankly the reason we didn't score earlier was basically because Blackburn defended really well I thought they did I mean I thought the first half it was it was I mean obviously the shape was lopsided wasn't yeah. it with with Valencia and being the, the only mode of attack for most of it and uh, it just felt a bit unbalanced in midfield and Phil Jones didn't really add very much in there I don't think I mean I still don't think he doesn't look like a midfielder to me he just doesn't seem to know where he is on the pitch at any one time and that's not a it's not a criticism of his talent he's obviously an extremely talented lad I just don't think he knows how to play that position I, I was thinking of you because of your description of him kind of headless chicken aspect of his midfield play was very much in effect he really was just running around yeah he was and, and as a result he didn't really add anything I don't think he added anything United in an attacking sense in that first 45 and, and really wasn't required in a defensive sense though you know, in theory Blackburn might have had the extra man in there if United hadn't done that it didn't make sense from United you know, Shape's uh, point of view we could have had a, a player out 
wide left any player and it doesn't really matter it's not about personnel it's more about shape and and Rooney could have dropped deeper and augmented midfield when necessary and eventually that happened right the substitutions made a real difference in terms of United's penetration you're right you preface this by saying you know you weren't that worried and United weren't playing badly and I don't think United were playing badly but the shape wasn't helping at all and it allowed Blackburn to defend because we weren't stretching them there was no uh, way to switch play from right to left left to right could do if we had a left winger on there because Rooney was cutting inside I mean you look at his uh, the heat map of Rooney's position he's pretty much central all the time so that's why it went out to Valencia all of the time and and true they couldn't cope with him but it did make United very predictable yeah absolutely because they couldn't cope with him but they could cope with the players in the middle that he was putting the ball to because they were very compact uh, and very central but and and United's not exactly a big team right there were tons of crosses flying over but I don't remember that many opportunities that they created no I I agree and and the the one thing I thought was Ferguson handled the situation brilliantly okay you, you could say that he basically erred on the side of caution in his team selection he thought that you know we'd been I mean I, I can't imagine he set too much store on the fact that we were overrun in the central midfield against Blackburn at Old Trafford because our central midfield was Raphael and Park so it doesn't really count you can't make any decisions based on that central midfield so uh, but I think he genuinely thought that Blackburn had been playing much better they were obviously could potentially mount a serious threat and so he wanted to contain them for as long as possible and his substitutions were pretty much spot on there was none of that kind of you know sometimes Fergie makes a substitution and you're like why are you doing that you crazy old fool normally we end up winning the league and we all look like fools but still there, there's that sense sometimes with Fergie substitutions but this one was like oh thank goodness for that you know that seems like the, the absolute appropriate reaction and it got the absolute appropriate reaction from the team once we had that shape there was more space available for Valencia and his 50-50 shot cross gave us the closest thing we've had for a few years to a Makeda moment it, it was yeah and, and an honest answer as well wasn't it asked by the Sky TV afterwards um, whether it was a shot or a cross and he said 50-50 I think that's fair enough I mean he hit it as hard as he possibly could towards the far corner and hit the back of the net stunning goal really it kind of reminded me of those Brazilian goals from the late 70s not not quite as good but do you remember that I think he's, he was called a Dilson and uh, his 78 World Cup and he hit one from outside the box with the outside of his foot and it bent into the far corner so not quite that but uh, had echoes of it and uh, another another stunning goal from Valencia I mean to go with the, the one he scored a couple of weeks ago and, and just more stunning form from him he's clearly United's major weapon in, in the title running yeah absolutely and the, the wonderful moment of commentary which just went Valencia I was like I, I love that Valencia ah! all the best players have an ah at the <laughs> yeah. end Valencia Makeda that's one of the best players and uh... I, and I was admonished on Twitter in the past week for calling Macheda and not Makeda so there, there are strict rules about when it's a chi and a key uh, in Italian apparently yeah Whatever. absolutely and and uh, at Eaton Trey says you, can you please unblock him for badgering you about Italian he's very sorry he just wanted to make sure you knew he was right you see the problem I have with this and this is why I use the block quite liberally is that there's very little distinction between internet trolls and people who, who may have been trying to be helpful but who just put it in a very troll like manner he's a good lad he's a rank cast listener Ed you've got to unblock him them's, them's the rules he, he's a, the chap who a few weeks ago corrected me about my glove theory so there he's on your side with the gloves 
So that then talking of goals from 1970s Brazilian teams, we put the ball in the net after 39 passes and a glorious wonder strike from Ashley Young in a goal reminiscent of skulls against Panathinaikos. A wonderful tick-attacker build-up followed by an explosive finish from the 18-yard line. Yes, you wouldn't see Barcelona doing that. They don't shoot from further than three yards out. There you go. It was a stunning goal. Yeah, and uh, another another one for Ashley Young's collection, growing collection of fine long-range strikes. I mean, you have to say, for all that he had a, a very patchy mid-season following injury and playing with an injury for a while, he has had a very significant impact numbers-wise in his first season at United, hasn't he? Yeah, so that big, large proportion of the middle of the season where he first lost form, and, and that may well have been to do with the, the fact that he gained an injury uh, and uh, and then uh, subsequently was out for some time afterwards. So that, that's a significant factor in Ashley Young's season, and therefore our judgment of him this season. But start of the season, he was excellent, and he appears to be in, in good form coming into the end of the season too, So which is all good. I don't, I still don't think he's he was ever going to be the signing that transformed United from a second place in the Champions League final to successes to Barcelona. Of course not, but but he, he's proven to be a good squad player. If he can keep himself fit and consistent, uh, next season he'll be a real weapon. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you, but given the state of the Premiership at the moment, he already is a real weapon. Despite the fact that he went missing for a good chunk of the season, he'll end up having a significant say in where the title goes, probably, one way or another. But but you're yes. right. I mean, it's the, the whole the whole debate about how good United are at the moment and our, our complete capitulation in Europe both times round puts a weird spin on how good we are. But the bookies are paying out us winning the league. And if we might not, I mean, we still might not win the league, but we've we definitely got, I don't know, we're definitely looking well more like it than we thought we would be at this stage. Yeah, well, the, the, the important thing about it now is, is, is given the fixtures, uh, is that it's completely in United's hands. If we don't win the league, given the teams we have to play, City, we, we can lose that one 27-0 now. I'd really rather <laughs> yeah. we didn't, but we, we could do, and it doesn't matter because if United match City's points total in the other games uh, United is still going to win the league right and that's that is significant and the teams we play are all pretty average so if, if United do not win the league from here it's, it's their own fault yeah no absolutely and, and they've put themselves in a fantastic position to go out from here and win the league and it's you know it's super exciting after that Black, that Blackburn game is the most excited I've been about a United goal since the Champions League final you know it was it was incredible it was it was a, a wonderful moment because the amount of pressure that lifts and the amount of belief that it gives to the team to score a goal like that and the amount of pressure it heaps on City who don't look like they're dealing very well with their position it's it's remarkable somebody was saying I think on the Football Weekly podcast it's remarkable how City they're being about the whole thing given that you know this is a, a complete reboot of the Manchester City concept totally fresh money fresh stadium fresh players no fresh fans yet but they, the theory is that they'll be coming too at some point but you know it really is at the moment same old City you know just get themselves into a good position and then muck it up to watch us do something glorious as always, and they'll be invading the streets of Guildford soon. Let me let me tell you, because that's uh, where all United fans come from. Apparently, I'm not I'm not actually sure where Guildford is. It's in Essex, isn't it? Somewhere like that. I don't really know where Essex is, if I'm honest. So, if, if you were excited about that goal, a, a young man was super super excited about United's victory. Sam Jones, Manchester City youth team player, took to Twitter to say, "Yes, United, 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 yes, Ashley Young, you god, you king." Uh, he's been admonished by the club. And 
Robertson had to put out an apology. He did, saying he's very sorry to all City fans and he's been made aware of his responsibility to City. And a significant part of that responsibility is to not be really excited when United score, especially since his employers are the ones who suffer. That's a remarkable lapse of judgment from the young man. It is, but it just goes to show that once a red, always a red. Yeah, the city is yours. The city is yours. Your kids tweet about us. Are you <clears throat> sure? He really should just uh, switch allegiances and come over to United. I have no idea, to be honest. I've never seen the kid. I don't know whether he's any good or not, but he's clearly at the wrong club. I'd rip up that contract, Mr. Jones, and then head over to, uh, well, you know, the Carrington training grounds are not very far apart, are they? Talking of youngsters, Larnell Coles, fine goal this week. If you haven't seen it, get to beautifullyred.co.uk. They've got a nice gif. I don't know whether it was 38 passes, but a fantastic team goal and a volleyed finish. Uh, United Reserves playing in the Dallas Cup at the moment. The reserve season's always pretty short and there's big gaps in it. So uh, they're taking the break and over in the States playing quite a few good games and getting some good results as well. The big grown-up United took a break as well, didn't they? And Fergie took him to Scotland because I'm pretty sure he believes that has some sort of magical powers whereby everyone who goes to Scotland becomes a better person in some way. Interesting and and early on in the game against Blackburn it perhaps did look like that that hadn't exactly had the desired effect because it wasn't quite working. But by the end of the game that that whole kind of team spirit and togetherness of United seems thoroughly intact and and a real counterpoint to City fighting over free kicks. And and it's, it's interesting the Balotelli situation because, you know, on one hand you've had like papers and and the general kind of you know making Balotelli t-shirts and making him a kind of lovable figure and people ludicrously comparing him with Eric and Noel Gallagher giving a fawning interview with him on Football Focus Uh, but on the other hand you've had people like Alan Hansen saying you know he's a disgrace and should he's completely like lets down his team and he's not his talent doesn't isn't worthy of that kind of attitude he's, he's not you can get away with it as he says you can get away with it if you're a world beater and he's definitely not a world beater uh, I'm reluctant to agree with Alan Hansen but it seems to be that his side of the argument is holding a bit more weight at the moment I have to say I'm, I'm probably with you there I hear Roberto Mancini praise Bellatelli uh, as much as he criticizes him he's called him variously among the three best players in the world he talks about the best strikers in in the world being Ronaldo, Messi and Balotelli frequently he's done this as well as chiding him for his unprofessional behaviour but but the, the, the stats don't stack up, the goals, the assists the decent performances more subjectively he disappears in games for huge periods of times before scoring goals so um, I, I would I'd be on your side here and say that he's just not worth the aggro and it comes to a point when the aggro is too much and it's not all the stuff outside of the game, I mean you know it's amusing when he turns up at Inter's press conference or when he sets fire to his own house or goes and buys himself a skateboard or whatever other crazy stuff he does but the fact is that he's had a fight with Kolarov with Mika Richards with Jerome Boateng before that he's obviously a very divisive figure he's he's divisive on the pitch uh, in that he's arguing about stupid stuff and it's obviously about his ego not about the team's well-being he's he yeah, had apparently had a fight fight with Vincent Company in the dressing room after the Sunderland game you'd think he's just not worth the trouble and that, that's what Alan had were saying and that's a kind of old-fashioned way of looking at it but probably just true as well I mean can you imagine Ferguson putting up with any of that I mean it's it's one thing to say yeah you have to provide uh, loads of output in order to get away with it but Eric Cantona never tried to beat up any of his teammates or fought with anyone on the pitch I mean yeah sure he was a nutter jumped into a crowd and and fly kicked someone and uh, brought a lot of bad publicity to United and and all of that you know you could say that's a really terrible thing and a lot worse than anything Balotelli's achieved but he didn't uh, disrupt the dressing room and Ferguson would never allow it I mean anyone who did disrupt 
disrupt the dressing room, he got rid of them, and, and very sharpish. Well, there's a huge existential difference between Balotelli and Cantona, and I'm, I'm obviously, like, really poorly placed to make this judgment because I have massively Eric-tinted spectacles, but Eric Cantona is a man of genuine substance. His worst crime in football was to fly and kick a man for kind of vicious abuse, and, yeah, it's, it's hugely unprofessional and really dangerous and reckless and all those kinds of things, but it was sort of human and it wasn't motivated by selfishness in the way that Balotelli's antics and, and outrage are kind of, you know, motivated by the... He's, a, he's an extreme version of the modern footballer. Between him and Tevez, you know, City have got the worst of the modern footballer in essence. But Cantona, you know, he, he left football to go and be a serious actor, has made a, a fairly decent career out of that is, is you know, he's he's a, a man of genuine substance in a way that Balotelli has shown no... Because it's, it's funny that he went and bought himself a skateboard instead of getting his mum an iron or whatever it was. But, you know, the one story about him which kind of painted him in quite a good light and quite a serious character like was the one about the the kid at the training ground you know getting a lift to school and going and see the headmaster which Balotelli says is is just not true at all maybe Mancini ought to send Balotelli and Tevez up to the Scottish retreat and they can go and find themselves or something along those lines yes absolutely they can take our title but they'll never take our freedom (laughs) no they can take our title but they'll never take our paycheck because that's what they're in it for, clearly. I, I, I was really impressed by United's spirit against Blackburn and Ferguson's, uh, you know, you could say he erred on the side of caution in his initial team selection and, and didn't need to add that much to the central midfield and our kind of 4-4-2 would have worked fine from the start. But, you know, by the time we were playing a 4-4-2, Blackburn looked absolutely exhausted and that's when we were able to put that really wonderful move together to make it 2-0. Uh, worth pointing out that just before the first goal, you remember Ron Atkinson used to always, in his commentary he'd always talk about turning points in games when like a keeper would make an amazing save or someone wouldn't get booked when you thought they might or you know what I mean there was there and and we really had one in that game when Ferdinand put in an incredible tackle on Yukubi right yeah and Yukubi would have absolutely definitely scored you know and that that just felt like a a Ron Atkinson turning point moment to me and sure enough Valencia's goal came within five minutes of that I think yeah and aside from Ferdinand's tackle a couple of excellent saves from David De again uh, how many games in a row is that that he's he's done th- something similar he's he's gone from being a potential liability to to being a points gainer for united in the, not i mean let, let's uh, let's be realistic about it not not in the same way that schmeichel was all those years ago but but he is now saving united points definitely absolutely i mean fulham and blackburn norwich chelsea uh, these are all games at which united could have lost or drawn had it not been for some top class saves from a very young man who's uh, now finding his feet in Ferguson said after the Blackburn game that he's really matured into the role. A lovely hug between him and Eric Steele on the way off the pitch as well. Just a just a lovely human moment of, you know, you could see obviously Eric Steele's done a huge amount of work on his confidence with him. You could just, there, there was a lot that passed between those two men in that hug. It was, it was quite moving, I thought. It prompted me, having seen that, to look back through some of the old articles. I hadn't been saving these quotes for some kind of, you know, I told you so, peace later uh, in the year it just felt like the right time to go back and look at them because they're just so 
vitriolic and I felt at the time with all the criticism of De Gea and it started very early as well in uh, in his time at United in fact actually if you look at the Daily Mail they started the criticism of him before he'd even played a game for United uh, his debut uh, was it in Chicago anyway on the on the American tour um, they criticised the goal he let in there and then it continued through the Charity Shield and the West Brom game and two, two mistakes in those games uh, and some really codswallop analysis of his psychological state and all oh, this this is a kid who was holed up in a hotel away from his family for the first time away from his girlfriend didn't know any of the people didn't know the language didn't know the team and didn't know the style of play and of course he was going to make mistakes uh, anyone uh, you don't need to have to be a football analyst to work this one out he was always going to make mistakes a big deal and uh, eventually his his talent has shone through and uh, yes it, it says something about the man but but the crisis was never as deep as uh, as the newspapers like to point out and and top of this tree and he really does get me because you know he's, he's a decent writer but Patrick Barkley who's banged on about it uh, repeatedly and I listened to the I remember the game podcast from back in August after the after the charity shield the community shield and and uh, he was particularly vitriolic called De Gea a, a jelly and had said he just didn't know couldn't understand why Ferguson and his millions of coaches had watched this kid week after week and bought him for the first team what on earth were they thinking they made this huge mistake blah 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 and they've all been proven to be complete reactionary idiots haven't they every single last one of them yeah absolutely and the only one that looks good out of all of that is Guillaume Balaguet of course who laughed at the press at the time who were criticising him yeah. there will be a, a feast of eaten words at the end of the season and, and we, we're definitely starting to see that because they are you know they are starting to come round and I suppose Paddy Barkley will be the last one when you know De Gea makes a last minute wonder save to win the European Cup for United or something uh, Paddy Barkley will finally acknowledge that he was wrong eight seasons ago or whatever it is uh, well, we'll see but of course you know if he then doesn't stop one that goes into the top corner he'll, he'll be criticised for it so yeah so, some some people and uh, they, they needed him to fail as Ferguson pointed out a few months ago and because it's it's always a better story than someone succeeding I mean two things two things I wanted to say about what you said first of all you said you know it's not at the level of Peter Schmeichel in terms of points saved but actually if you if you look at the number of points that De Gea saved us I would love to see somebody make a kind of informal idea of like you know things that re- really good saves that De Gea has made that's that's, that's earned us points. I mean, you started listing off games there, and it's a lot of games that he has really, really helped us win an awful lot of points this season. He's been absolutely instrumental in our form, the best period of form, you know, which has been since goals came back. De Gea has been fantastic throughout it. Yeah, well, look, the Liverpool game aside, um, so you know, post post New Year, the Liverpool Cup game, he obviously had a got bullied by Andy Carroll. Aside from that, I, I don't think he's made a mistake. Has I don't think you could blame him for any of the goals uh, in in the games against, uh, say, Ajax and Athletic Bilbao that United lost. So I don't think you can actually attribute any mistakes to him post the Liverpool game. And it's been a run of 10 or 12 games in which he's been excellent. And I don't think we then go, oh, he's he's the next Schmeichel and uh, he's never going to make a mistake again because he's still, like, he's 21 years old, but I think he's an extremely talented 21-year-old. Fun, funny on the United Rant forum uh, talking about this and someone said, yeah, but how long are we going to be able to keep hold of him now? <laughs> which is the sad reflection of the times, isn't it? Yeah, as soon as Casillas or Valdez are, uh, are thought to be past their best at Madrid and, and Barcelona and he'll be off is the cynical way of viewing it well I mean we, we talked about this earlier in the season and it's genuinely you know I, I genuinely consider that 
to be a concern because in some ways you know I, I I've felt all the way through this season except maybe for like a sort of three or four week period that actually there's really not not particularly a keeper anywhere in the world I'd swap to Haya for just because of his age you know his level of talent given his age and if we can stay uh, at a high level and increase our level of competitiveness in the Champions League and if Barcelona somehow drop off although that's not looking particularly likely to happen anytime soon or if you know if he's just becomes happy and settled in Manchester and you know the United keeper becomes his job for life he's just he's just the best choice out of any keeper anywhere given given how young he is for how talented he is and you know he could legitimately beat United for 20 years it's not it's not out of the question it's hard to foresee that but that, yeah of course I mean yeah who knows but the other the other thing I wanted to, to say is you said the crisis wasn't as deep as has been said and I kind of know what you mean but in a way after the Blackburn game at home you know he he really looked like a liability for a little while there he really not just not just like inclined to let in a goal but he really looked completely shot to me his confidence looked completely and utterly gone and and the nature of the, the that kind of moment between him and Eric Steele on the way off the pitch at Ewood Park it really did look like a man who had found something that he thought he'd lost again. I mean, aren't you re- reading way too much into it there, of course? But but I, I think the crisis, the valley of crisis, was indeed fairly deep for him. In terms of his confidence, yes. But but the analysis was that we'll never see this lad again. Uh, that's it. it I, I I remember seeing reading pieces and seeing tweets that were saying we'll never see him again. That's it. He's off. Uh, Ferguson uh, won't accept this. It's another mass mode Taibi, and they completely misunderstood the situation. Completely, Taibi was bought as a experienced senior keeper to provide competition to Mark Bosnich at the time. That's a horrible sentence to have to hear. Yeah, I know that that uh, puts some context on the crisis of United goalkeeping at that stage. I mean, you know, by comparison, we've now got uh, probably the most talented 21-year-old keeper on the on the planet, and a very very good keeper in in Anders Lindegaard as well when he's back fit. So. I mean, you know, gone from the worst keeping crisis ever. This is another sh- shocking Fergie mistake, quote unquote, about keepers to, to being in a very, very good position in keeping at United. Yeah, no, absolutely. And let's hope that he can take that excellent form forward to our next two games. I think home, the fact that it's at home to QPR is hugely significant because QPR are obviously on the verge of trying to turn around their season. And Wigan as well are in that phase that, relegation battling teams go through of wait a minute ah we really better win some games otherwise this is all over right and um, QPR beat Arsenal the other week they, they beat Liverpool their team that has found some form it's a good for that reason that we've already been down to Loftus Road this season and won and so you know Old Trafford you'd still expect despite all that that good form United to win I mean it's for it's Fergie versus Hughes and that always adds a little bit of extra spice to it doesn't it because they're, they're not the best defence but but the, the way Hughes's teams play they'll play five in midfield or play one out front they'll try and defend and, and that should play into United's hands and we've got uh, almost all of our attacking players fit and Nani obviously not quite ready at the moment but but Young's fit Rooney's playing really well Valencia is absolutely on fire and uh, this this ought to play into our hands uh, in terms of how QPR are likely to set up at Old Trafford and then Wigan yeah I mean Wigan have done okay recently haven't they uh, and you know one at Anfield more than okay one at Anfield they've picked up points so they, they you never know they could even make it out I kind of like Wigan because they're a small club and, and it's it's not a bad trip for United fans and Roberto Martinez is a nice chap he's you know 
one of the Ferguson's cabal of, of managers that has got around him, I suppose, and they play decent football and all of that, and so there's nothing really to hate about them that much. But we always beat them, always. Yes, that's one of the reasons it's nice to have them around. Interesting, uh, all this talk about Swansea recently, and, and Roberto Martinez, of course, made his reputation at Swansea, and actually the Brendan Rodgers revolution is a continuation of, is actually evolution, because the, the real revolution at Swansea was Roberto Martinez is doing. And actually, I think I've uh, heard Roger say this, actually. I think he's, he's, uh, he's uh, or at least uh, someone at Swansea say this, that Martinez put in place the foundations for the football we see from Swansea, and, and he continued it at Wigan. He's taken a lot of criticism for it as well. You know, people in the game suggest that, that you can't play good football as a small club and, and still make it. But, but Wigan have managed to stay in the division despite their tiny budget for all this time. It's looking pretty ropey for them right now, but it's so close down the bottom. You wouldn't bet against them making it. I mean, there's there's so few points in it that um, they could still, it could well come down to a last day victory or draw or goal difference or any of that, really. I mean, it's really ridiculous down at the bottom, isn't it? And and we're going to have a big say in how that looks at the end of the week because of the games against QPR and Wigan. I mean, if, if both of those teams lose to us, which we, of course, hope they do, that's it's, it's not good for them. But but neither of them will have really been considering this the place they're going to get their points between now and the end of the season. It's big Sam's mantra about, uh, you know, he's got kind of got gold, silver and bronze games, hasn't he? And, and the gold games uh, are the ones, you know, against United and Arsenal and Chelsea and City and uh, and all of that that you don't expect to get anything out, out uh, of. And, and then the... the, the the matches when you're down the bottom against your you know fellow relegation sufferers or potential relegation sufferers are the ones you absolutely have to win so I'm sure QPR and Wigan will be seeing it the same way if they get anything out of games with us it'll be a massive bonus and, and it'll be disaster for United yeah absolutely I mean I'm going to predict basically the same starting lineup I did last week which I was wrong on because Fergie paid one of the he picked one of those sides where you kind of look at it and you try and work out where everyone's going to play and at some point I've decided Raphael's going to play a uh, left back and Valen- and Josie's going to play right back and, and Evra's going to play left wing but no it was a much more standard 4-3-3 with Rooney on the heavily inverted commas left this game against QPR I can't see anything other than De Gea Raphael, Ferdinand, Evans Evra, Young, Scholes Carrick, Valencia and then I don't know I think I'm going to say Hernandez again even though he didn't have a particularly good game after Welbeck had a really bad game but then after Welbeck came on the, the boss really shouted at him didn't he uh, when he tried a trick yeah and, right uh, the, the boss laid into him and I wonder if uh, we're going to see Hernandez and Rooney up front it's really hard I mean this stage of the season this is the only uh, the Wigan game is the only midweek game United have left in the season so that was my QPR lineup, by the way well yeah no sure uh, it'll come into the it'll come into the factoring whether he's going to he'll rotate a little bit but it's not like they should be shattered they haven't had tons of games recently and they've had you know been having weeks off between games which is which is unusual for this time of the season and a reflection of the failure we've had in cup competitions and all of that uh, so there might be a little bit of rotation I just hope we have a bit of balance that's all it was it's frustrating when United put in a subpar performance as they did for some part of the Blackburn game and causal element of that was surely United's kind of mixed up formation and and uh, I think at home to relegation potential relegation candidate in QPR uh, he'll go for a much more balanced side and it doesn't really matter the makeup of it after that I think and um, I'm sure we'll 
see all the big names playing and 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 you know it's hard to see past the United win as a result and and of course if United do win we don't want to count our chickens let's let's count our chickens uh, that'll be eight points ahead the final whistle go just a few minutes before City kick off against Arsenal at the Emirates and and aside from that blip Arsenal had at QPR recently they've been in outstanding form and you'd put good odds on City dropping points at Arsenal yeah although I don't know it's one of it's one of those isn't it where Arsenal seem to be in good form but they're stuttering slightly City have been really struggling but then they did manage that last last gasp you know snatch a point so we'll, we'll see but yeah if they're eight points down at that point and by the way Ed just to clarify you were not counting chickens you were counting points um they're, they're different to chickens chickens are the things that run around and lay eggs and points are the things you get for winning football matches glad you've clarified that I <laughs> just wanted to make sure we all were on the same page unlike our glass Loves debate not on the same page <laughs> yeah absolutely and and you know i mean a city win wouldn't particularly surprise me but nor would nor would a, a grand capitulation in the capital uh surprise me I, it's it's unbelievable to think that it's going so well at the moment and you know despite the fact that you look at it and on paper everything looks like it should all be roses and sunshine from here to the end of the season but just as the weather has turned snowy after a glorious couple of weeks of summer in england i i, I fear for the snow clouds on the horizon uh, because there's just so much at stake isn't there yes there is although if past performance is any indicator of future performance then then city uh, have been terrible away from home recently just yeah really bad and they've got three of the next four games before the derby are away from home they they, they're away to arsenal this weekend they've got west brom at home and west brom playing pretty well they go to norwich and they go to wolves and now you know like uh, arsenal aside they're not playing any of the top sides but you wouldn't bet against them dropping points in any of those games I'm not a gambling man but if I was I would definitely bet against them dropping points at Wolves <laughs> but you know United by comparison with three at home and and uh, okay you know this season we've been stunning on the road and, and not so stunning at Old Trafford but QPR and Wigan you'd expect six points I mean it'll be massive disappointment if United don't pick up six points home to Villa and then home to Everton and again you just it's it's really hard to see past United getting 12 points out of these and, and yes it's a bit of hubris I'm not always one for that but playing well enough against teams who aren't really playing that well I mean Ever- Everton are playing pretty well but they don't normally do it at Old Trafford uh, and uh, it, we could well be going to, to City I mean if we match the points point for point we'll go to City knowing that a win at the Etihad will bring us the title if City drop three points anywhere uh, we could well be walking into the Etihad uh, with the Guard of Honour now that would be something special wouldn't it ah it's too good it's too good to imagine I'm having this debate with a few people on Twitter I can't work out what's better would it be better to stick one in their net in the 90th minute to win the title or would it be better <laughs> to already won the title no. and have them have to stand there and clap us onto the pitch as champions Guard of Honour is wins every time for me because the, the whole thing about a sticking one in the 90th minute is we've got a lot of pain to get through to get there and although that would be good but yeah no guard of honor would be wonderful I, i'm i'm team guard of honor it could it could happen and but will balotelli be part of it not only is he fighting his teammates but apparently he's been shagging wayne rooney's hooker a shocking story i was shocked well not really i'm sure this story is not true given that it's not entirely clear that wayne rooney was involved well, well the, really. the uh, interesting thing about it is that mario balotelli's agent came out and admitted it he had a, he had a small fling apparently a small fling so that bit's true the Wayne Rooney bit was never actually 
officially confirmed, although of course there were no suits going out for defamation or slander or both or either against any of the newspapers involved, uh, let alone the the, uh, young ladies involved. So let's just assume they're all true and Balotelli's had some of Rooney's sloppy seconds. Oh, really? Literally one of my least favourite expressions in the English language. That's so horrible. Talking of things that are horrible, something that wasn't horrible and I think is worth mentioning that we didn't mention in the Blackburn coverage was United's away support. Always excellent, but rarely... I mean, not always that spectacularly, mind-blowingly excellent. 7,000 7, fans, and, and Sunderland could take a lesson from this. You know, Blackburn were good enough to give a whole stand over to United and managed to control the hordes of you know, rampaging Reds who are you know, running through the town and raping the locals and, and all of that, which is apparently what Sunderland thinks is going to happen. And they've reduced our ticket allocation to 1,700 tickets for the final day of the season. Could be, could be a crucial game still. And apparently won't release the reasons why they're doing that but but yeah no sorry to go off on a on a massive tangent there but yeah absolutely stunning support from uh, the united faithful there 90 minutes of giving it everything and quite a few anti-city songs in there which which is always fun but then you think yeah we shouldn't be focusing on them so much and so there were plenty of songs about uh, old players and, and all the favorites as well yeah no i mean i that, that was the, there was kind of a nice balance i thought between making fun of city which was entirely justified and because this is not just random city baiting this is quite specific city baiting we are in a title running with them so you know anti-city songs have have more justification this season than they have ever before well not ever before but for a long time and i guess the sunderland ticket allocation you watch that blackburn game and you it's like not entirely surprising that teams don't want us taking seven thousand fans there because we make it into like a bundesliga home game for united with that kind of atmosphere it's it's a real shame that it it, it's not replicated old traffic of course they're, they're trying to put together this singing section i mean it's a it's a concept that's been around forever I, I mean uh, I, I remember going to United as a wee boy very little and remember them talking about singing of course there was a singing section then it was called the Stratford End it was, and also the K-Stand and the K-Stand and there was a, a, you know, plenty of banter between the two and obviously it's gone over the years and people have been split up so the idea of having a section at United where everyone could come together and, and you know, try and recreate that kind of atmosphere of course it, it looks like it's going to be less than 3,000 seats if it does happen well that's crazy I mean that, that's, that's the thing it's like why do it in 3,000 seats? Why not give 10,000 seats over? Because there must be 10,000 people out of that 70,000 at Old Trafford every week who want to sing, surely. Well, there there are, but there's also a big block of executive, nicely padded, uh, right in the centre of the Stratford End, have a meal beforehand and a prawn sandwich and a glass of champagne and pay double the amount seats as well. Well, you just give the whole the whole rest of the Stratford End over to... I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's just so odd, the whole United atmosphere thing. Because what Gill and the rest of the management giveth they taketh away as well because it, it looks like well they, we talked about the trial for the Villa game coming up, up on the 15th of April when uh, Villa fans will be in the third tier of the North Stand and if you've ever sat there I've done it once I swapped uh, for one game with a friend and I never do it again because uh, aside from your, your weird sort of cinema format view of the pitch you get because the stand slopes down so you get this kind of letterbox format view of the game there's no atmosphere <laughs> at all because it's you're up in the gods and you can't hear anything from any of the other stands you can't see the other stands for a 
start. Uh, so it's really weird. And I think that will take away something from the atmosphere because you won't be able to hear the opposition fans. Well, you know, on the other hand, I mean, legitimately, all you ever hear except in the big games is the opposition fans. And then, you know, a pocket of 2,000 people at the back of the Stretford End or whatever it is that actually are trying to generate some sort of atmosphere. I just, I just don't understand it. I don't understand why you go to football and treat it like theatre. It's like football matches are, as, as, a, as a live spectator event, a football match with a good atmosphere is completely different experience to a football match with a bad atmosphere. It's on, it's on, a, it's on a whole nother level, you know, and, and that Fulham game on the Monday night, the support couldn't have been worse, you know, in terms of atmosphere. And, and, it, and, and I kind of don't hold individuals who go to the games responsible for this. It's something about, I mean, the corporatization of it and just the increasing culture. And what happens if five people get up in the middle of the South Stand and start, you know, doing the United Calypso or whatever? Is everyone looking around and shushing them? I've had season tickets in many stands at Old Trafford over the years and, and I sat for quite a few years in the mid and late 90s in the South Stand and that's exactly what happened. Even then, right? You know, and this is through the seasons where the Stretford End was pulled down and the uh, it was turned into an all-seater bowl and uh, it's never expected in the South Stand. But, but that's fine, right? That's fine. But it's, and that's not that different from, you know, you mentioned the Bundesliga. Okay, I mean, some absolutely stunning atmospheres there. When Dortmund games where there's 80,000 people going mental for the 90 minutes. That's brilliant. But, but across the rest of Europe, that doesn't happen either. And you, you'll get a pocket of ultras in one of the stands and they're allowed to sing and dance and go mental and, and all of that. And if, if that alone was allowed at Old Trafford, that would make a difference to the atmosphere. Because if you get a pocket of people singing, you encourage others. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, I always feel like it's, it's weird for me to be talking about this because I've never in my whole life been able to go and see United regularly for a variety of different circumstances. But whenever I've ever been there, I've like not stopped singing from the moment I get there till the moment I leave kind of thing because it's, it's the whole point of going, right? It's, you know, it's a participatory experience. And when and when you are lucky enough to sit at the back of the Stretford End, you kind of wonder why everyone goes on about the you know, atmosphere at United not being good because for, you know, for, for 2,000 people or whatever, every game's got a pretty good atmosphere except very rare games where even that part of the stand's flat. There you go. That's, that's a debate that's been held for quite some time, obviously. What do you think of the singing section before we move on? Yeah, so, you... so look, I, I'm in favour of, of something along those lines happening, but, but this is not new, right? This is of this has been not. debated no, for not. a very long time and uh, if it happens, it'll be good. Uh, if it's done in the right way, if people are allowed to move together uh, and join up with their mates and, and it's a decent block of seats and it's going to have to mean some juggling around the seats and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and it would be a good move if something like that can happen. I fear that it's going to be split up by uh, the corporate seats there and maybe the club not playing ball over uh, moving seats around and that kind of thing and that that will take away from what it is and, and it's not the cure for all ills as well it's certainly not going to cure the problem over ticket prices over ticket allocation uh, over the fact that the supporters groups and the club haven't been able to sort out the problem with away tickets and the problem that a lot of away tickets seem to be going to corporate agencies at the moment who sell them isn't it it's you know it's legalized touting and and all of these problems have not been solved so don't, don't pretend that if we get a singing section at Old Trafford that it's going to solve all the other problems because there are lots of them and they haven't been sorted no no absolutely but just in terms of the problem of the of how incredibly flat 
75,000 people can make an atmosphere. Hopefully, hopefully it'll help. Hopefully it'll spark other areas of the ground into life as well. And maybe we'll get that, that you know, that, that kind of challenging atmosphere between the K-Stand and, and Stretford End as, as we used to get. I feel compelled at this point to give a shout out to at Happy Hero and say that his little bit of the North Stand uh, is apparently extremely vocal. I think it might just be him, but uh, it's, it's people around him as well too. Because I'm sure there are pockets, but, you know, given the magnitude of the stadium, you don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily generate a wide atmosphere but for those individuals lucky enough to be in a pocket of atmosphere it does make an enormous difference anyway so let's hope the atmosphere is okay against QPR and that our predictions are close to being on the money which is, is neither of those seem particularly likely I've got to say very true I mean so predictions uh, I, I think United are going to win twice this week I wouldn't think anything else would I uh, I think it's going to be fairly comfortable against QPR I, uh, they're, they're not particularly great on the road they're not particularly great anywhere really even if they have got a, a bit of form uh, of late so I, I think United will win that one 3-0 I think we'll go to Wigan it'll be fairly tight and one of those late goals will take it for United and it's going to be 2-1 I'm going 2-0 2-0 uh, the double 2-0 to United so you You've said 3-0 and 2-1, and I've said 2-0 and 2-0. Also, it's from a bonus prediction. I think Arsenal are going to beat City 1-0 at the Emirates. Uh, I'm going to say that's going to be a draw. Uh, I, I don't know. i got a weirdly bad feeling. In fact, you know what? I'm going to give you my, my honest prediction for that rather than my what I would like to happen, and that's that City are going to win that 2-1. Boo! Uh, so, yeah, um, a fantastic week for United fans, really, and it's just glorious to be atop the league at this stage of the season, and I guess... Yes, you're pretty confident now that United are going to go on and win the title. I do a, a pre-season prediction, don't I? And I uh, just for the record, just in case if anyone thinks I edit it, which I never do, uh, I said United would come second this season. So I certainly wasn't that confident at the start of the season, and we've surpassed expectations. If the run of fixtures go like I think it might, and you know we don't get hammered at Eastland and we at least get a point, we could end up with the biggest points total United has ever got in the Premier League it's just extraordinary and I mean which is which is extraordinary because you know I, I still don't equate this this side with being anywhere near the best sides Ferguson's ever had but if they rack up the most amount of points it, it'd be hard to argue against that yeah I mean the, the thing about it is it's not the best collection of individuals and it's not it's not even the best team, but it might be the best, the most professional outfit he's ever had. You know, it might be some, something along those lines, you know, or he has just got so good at winning, you know. And also, we've kind of sucked the lifeblood out of the Premier League as well. Like everyone else in the league, apart from City, is rubbish, basically. Like Arsenal were rubbish for the first third of the season. Chelsea have basically been below par almost all season. Newcastle have obviously been a bit of a revelation, talking of you not editing your predictions uh, for where teams will finish I'm pretty sure you have them bottom of the league I, yeah yeah I can't remember I certainly had them relegated yeah I mean you, you can go back on United Rank Co UK and uh, their uh, their predictions are on there in August yeah no absolutely but you know the, the, just the quality of opposition is just not there this season no I, I think you're right I think it's uh, the quality of the Premier League is degraded and that's been shown in European competition interesting it'll be interesting in the summer really because I mean, obviously City will try and spend big and they need to get rid of quite a few players uh, and so assuming they do that they will spend big again simply because they will brought in quite a bit of cash too it looks like Roman Abramovich is prepared to finance a big spending spree at Chelsea I'm sure Liverpool will throw some money at it Arsenal have got tons of money in the bank I mean they're a very well run club financially speaking and even though they built the new stadium they are a club with plenty of cash reserves that they can go use I don't think United are going to spend very much but generally speaking there's going to be a little bit of a shift so uh, over three years or so the, the, the euro pound exchange rate was not 
not good for the Premier League. It's been creeping the other way, so you buy a bit more euros with your pound these days than you used to be able to. And of course, the 50% top rate uh, has gone, although that doesn't come into effect until 2013. But that, that gives top clubs an extra five percentage points of competitiveness for in terms of wages and so that will make a difference it'll it'll mean that players from the europe are slightly cheaper both in terms of the absolute transfer fee you have to pay and the the weekly wages so we could see this small blip in the premier league standard of competitiveness uh, eroded so it might well be that this is a really good title for united to win because it's going to be even harder next season yeah i mean that's that seems like a reasonable expectation but what i'm taking from what you're saying about all that stuff about affordability of players and that, that Ronaldo's definitely coming back in the summer oh yeah yeah totally undoubtedly United are putting in a, a 12 figure bid for him he scored another ridiculous free kick in the Champions League it's very upsetting Ed yeah, stu- yeah stunning goal after stunning goal for Ronaldo at the moment yeah scored a goal at the weekend where he, he was barely moving and it was about 30 yards out and he spanked it into the top corner he's just he's ridiculous he's a parody of himself like he's obviously he's always been a parody of himself in terms of his attitude and the way he carries himself and he's the flappiest arms in all of arm flapdom but he's 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 becoming a footballing I don't know Rooney Rooney gives it a good flappy arms flapping he does but I I think he's number two and I think he learned from Ronaldo his arm flappiness you know I, I think I think if Rooney had not been at the same club as Ronaldo for such a long time he'd be less flappy that's my view although it could be the other way around but but he's also like a parody of himself on the pitch like his output is just ridiculous it's like that you have this vision of Ronaldo as being a kind of goal scoring destructive footballing machine and he just he's just like a he's almost sarcastically good you know there you go and all Messi could do is score a couple of penalties this week rubbish <laughs> yeah. I, told you, I told you the boy is no good he's only got 50 58 goals this season. Uh, a little word for the fact that our our uh, Premier League competitors down south have done what United singularly failed to do and progressed to the Champions League semi-final. I was I was thinking, God, they must be the worst team in the semi-final for ages. And I was like, oh, uh, apart from you know since last season when Schalke were in were in the semi-final. But I think it's going to be a similar level of mismatch that Schalke was against us last season because Chelsea have been dreadful. Roberto Di Matteo has got them playing quite a defensive formation and system at the moment, hasn't he? So. Which will just basically play into Barcelona's hands. I can't see anything other than a comfortable Barcelona victory, especially over two legs. I mean, no, maybe as a one-off game, Chelsea could go ultra negative and do a bit of a, a bit of a Mourinho on them. Uh, but I can't see it over two legs, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see a Barca Real final now, uh, which will be just kind of boring to be honest. I think. I mean, they they seem to play each other every other week at the moment, and and it is we know exactly what we're going to get. There'll be a lot of stropping around, players falling all over the place, and then Barcelona will win and Mourinho will accuse them of there being some kind of UEFA level conspiracy to make sure Barcelona win everything. We're, we're prediction crazy here and I predict we should wrap this show up. We'll be back at the same time next week and in the meantime if you want to get hold of us you can find us on Twitter. Ed is at United Rant. I'm at UTD Rantcast. As always reviews on iTunes very much appreciated as are comments over on the show page at UnitedRant.co.uk the, the other thing you can do to help us out if you feel so inclined is hit UnitedRant.co.uk slash donate and chip in a couple of shekels towards the cost of running the rank cast that's all very good we will see you next week after a couple of fine united victories and city dropping points at the emirates you know it's going to happen